This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio and I'm James Whitmore. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land where this show is being broadcast from, the Rwandri people of the Kulin Nations, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. Today we're going to get a report card on the Southern Ocean and all the changes that are happening down there. I'll be right back after this. Stand in solidarity with Palestine this Sunday. With the most devastating attack ever launched on the people of Gaza, it's time for all of us to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Israel has waged war on the Palestinians for the last 75 years. The Nakba, ethnic cleansing, occupation of the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza. Israel has now imposed a total blockade on Gaza and declared war, stopping food, electricity and fuel and launching an all-out attack. We have to mobilise to show our support for Palestine. 12pm, State Library, this Sunday. Rally to demand freedom and justice for Palestine. No war on Gaza. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio. The Southern Ocean and Antarctica are facing all sorts of threats from people, from climate change to fishing and pollution. This week we learned that bird flu had been detected on subantarctic islands, which could be a disaster for birds like penguins. And that comes after Antarctica recorded its lowest ever maximum for sea ice this year. Put all this together and what is the state of the Southern Ocean right now and what does the future hold? Recently, scientists published a huge report on the health of the Southern Ocean and Antarctica called the Marine Ecosystem Assessment for the Southern Ocean. I spoke to Dr. Andrew Constable from the University of Tasmania, who is the lead author of the report. Andrew, thanks so much for coming on Out of the Blue. This is a huge report, five years in the making, over 200 authors. If you could pick one takeaway, what would it be? Oh, thanks very much, James, for uh, inviting me on to talk about the report. Um, the, the takeaway message for me after all of this time, well, actually, there was two. The first one is that the Antarctic polar marine ecosystems are under pressure. They're changing now. And what we've been able to determine from looking at the vulnerabilities of all the different um, species uh, and as they work as a system, we can see that they're going to be under pressure, a lot of pressure over the next 10, 20, 30 years. And if we want to keep the Antarctic polar marine ecosystems, we have to make sure that we do everything we can to keep them as resilient as possible. And that includes making sure that fisheries don't impact the resilience of the polar marine ecosystem. We need to ensure that there are places that are refuges for species so as they can do the best they can and so on. So that's the big message. The second message that is really important is that if we really want to save the Antarctic marine ecosystems into the future, we have to curb global greenhouse gas emissions. We have to reduce global warming and ocean acidification. Mm. So the ocean, the Southern Ocean is changing a lot and the report documents 
a lot of these changes. Is there a single biggest driver or is it just a combination of factors, you know? Well, one of the things that we also found is that there are multiple factors and it can be quite confusing for a layperson to understand which driver is doing what and, and what we need to be concerned about. One of the big messages until only five years ago was, that was coming out of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change was that the sea ice seems to have been increasing in winter extent uh, over the satellite era. So, you know, we've been monitoring since the 1970s and since that time the extent was increasing. But when you look closely, it was that around the Antarctic Peninsula, the sea ice extent was decreasing. And that overall extent was driven by what was happening south of Australia. Uh, it seemed to have been cooling and uh, more winter sea ice. And there are many reasons why that might be, but we don't really know uh, exactly what has been driving that. And that's been one of the big uncertainties. And everybody talks about, well, this is really uncertain and, and so on. But when you think about it, warm water and ice really don't mix. Uh, and so there was a great expectation that sea ice would, in fact, start declining. The winter sea ice extent would start declining. And we've started seeing that now. We've heard a lot about that in the media. We know that that is happening. Um, and one of the uh, quite exciting uh, points is that we're starting to pin down what exactly might be going on. And in the past, there's been thought that whatever ha is happening in the atmosphere in the air was most important for sea ice, but it's quite clear that warming of the ocean is also having its effect. And we've heard also that the warming ocean around Antarctica is also melting the continental ice sheet where it meets the ocean. It's melting the, un, uh, the undersurfaces of those um, ice shelves uh, and potentially um, decreasing the ice shelves, speeding up the outflow of ice into the ocean. So warming of the ocean becomes quite significant. When you tie those things together, changing atmosphere and changing ocean, um, you can see why it's having a critical impact on the biology of the system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you, so you've mentioned that um, Antarctic sea ice is now declining. Um, this winter it reached, I think, its lowest ever maximum extent. It's really integral to Antarctic ecosystems. Can you just explain why sea ice is so important? Sea ice is really important because... It is a place where things live. The overwinter, it, when um, the sea ice starts to form and, and the surface of the ocean starts freezing, what gets captured in that process is a lot of the nutrients and uh, dead phytoplankton cells and things, the things that convert sunlight into energy for biological systems, that plankton gets caught up in the sea ice and frozen. When spring comes around and that sea ice melts again, all of those nutrients get uh, released into the ocean and drive the spring blooms, which are very strong uh, in the Southern Ocean region. And that drives then this, this um, it's like um, a sudden spring bloom of your grass in the backyard. It, it just grows and it feeds everything. Uh, and that's centrally important. The other thing that we hear about sea ice is that it's a place where um, lots of animals live as well. So sea ice provides protection to young Antarctic krill. Antarctic krill is widely known as a foundation of the food chain. 
uh, in Antarctica. It feeds whales, seals, penguins and the like. Uh, and it's a home for the small krill because it protects them for, from predation, provides a source of food uh, and so on. It also um, is in the same way, provides protection to young fish uh, before they go on and live in the wider ocean. Uh, and it forms an important place where birds and marine mammals uh, might haul out. So seals will haul out under ice and, and rest and use that as a base for feeding. And penguins use it as a place for breeding. We've all heard about emperor penguins now potentially at risk because of uh, declining fast ice. And that's, that's ice that's connected to the continent but floating on the water. And they use that for breeding in winter. Uh, and we've seen now uh, reports from this year um, where the uh, sea ice, that fast ice has been melting much more rapidly and it looks like we've already lost some recruitment events, you know, new, new chicks being falling into the water uh, and dying because they're unable to survive. And, and so this is, can be quite uh, disastrous for colonies, but when you look at the right round Antarctica, all of the populations, there are many um, colonies which could be at risk from the declining sea ice. So sea ice is very important, not just for the Earth system physics, but also for the biology of the Southern Ocean. Mm. I want to ask you a bit more about what's going on at the very bottom of the food chain. What are we seeing with you know the tiny plants that everything else feeds on? Yeah, so the tiny plants uh, called phytoplankton um, is there's been some changes going on on the Antarctic Peninsula which have been very informative for what could happen in the Southern Ocean uh, around the whole Southern Ocean as climate change kicks in. The important um, phytoplankton for krill uh, and uh, for driving the food webs uh, they're diatoms, and diatoms uh, typically have a, a crustose shell around uh, the small plant, uh, and diatoms need iron, they need silica, uh, and so on. And so these come in, in uh, dissolved uh, uh, compounds, so you have silicic acid has the silica for the shells, uh, and iron then is, in a, um, is basically bioavailable. Uh, in, in the water. Those two things can be in short supply. One of the things that has been noticed is that as you increase the temperature, it becomes much harder for uh, the diatoms then to uh, survive. And so what we uh, tend to have in warmer areas, but also in areas that don't have those nutrients, silicic acid and, and iron, you have much more smaller cells, smaller phytoplankton species, and these are really, really tiny. Uh, and those smaller cells aren't so good for Antarctic krill. Uh, and as a result, if you have a, a shift in the system from diatoms to very small phytoplankton, then you have a shift in the food web. You tend to have much smaller zooplankton, which then are fed on by fish, uh, you don't have the same energy pathway from phytoplankton to krill to whales. You'll, you'll go down these other pathways. And so we could see quite a shift in the structure of the uh, food web from a krill-based system to a fish-based system, uh, which would be quite a significant change. And you just mentioned that um, around the Antarctic Peninsula, is are, are we already seeing that happening? 
we've certainly seen a shift southwards. So one of the things about the Antarctic Peninsula, and this is why we believe that the polar system, uh, marine system, uh, is in peril, is the Antarctic Peninsula more or less goes from south to north. And so we're able to document the changes that happen as, when you have warming in the north, so in the northern part of the peninsula, uh, you can see what happens. You lose the sea ice. We uh, see shifts in the system from the uh, krill-based system to a fish-based system. Um, and we see all of these other changes that are going on that go right up through the food web. Uh, and so this has been observed now over the last 20 years. There's been, and, and this is a really important point for policymakers, our knowledge of the change in the Antarctic marine ecosystems is, is primarily driven by the research that's being done on the Antarctic Peninsula. The Antarctic Peninsula, is, we found, is not typical of the whole of the Southern Ocean. But the investment in long-term ecological research there, um, uh, there's been various programs, but a significant one has been the US program um, called the Palmer Long-Term Ecological Research Site. And that combined with um, other programs has given us these insights about what will happen over time. We need the same kinds of programs everywhere around Antarctica. And it's really important in Australia that we can invest in those programs in our area of interest south of Australia. I'm talking with Dr. Andrew Constable about the changes that are happening in the Southern Ocean. And we'll hear more from Andrew after the break. But first, this is Emma Donovan with Black Nation. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR.
That was Black Nation by Emma Donovan, and you're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR. I'm talking to our Dr. Andrew Constable about the biggest assessment of the health of the Southern Ocean and the wildlife that call it home. You mentioned there um, iron and nutrients, and something that we don't necessarily talk a lot about is the role that Antarctica plays in, I guess, fertilizing the world. Um, can you explain a bit about that process and how changes in Antarctica might affect nutrients in the rest of the oceans? So there are a number of processes that everybody is familiar with, that uh, we have these very strong winds in the Southern Ocean uh, going from west to east. We have the uh, the winter uh, extent of sea ice, the, the expansion and contraction of the sea ice around Antarctica. Uh, and, and then we have the Antarctic circumpolar current, which is this huge current that, that's taking water right around Antarctica non-stop. It's an uninterrupted flow. Those three things are centrally important to the, uh, the global system um, of ocean circulation uh, and the interactions that we have with the continental ice sheet also tell us about sea level rise. What these things do when they combine is that they uh, there's another kind of circulation in the ocean that people aren't necessarily familiar with. And this is the overturning circulation. And what that is, is that it, it's the uh, formation of uh, deep water, Antarctic bottom water, which occurs near to the Antarctic continent. And that's caused by the freezing of the surface water. And then as a result of that freezing, the, the cool, dense water then sinks to the bottom uh, and then flows to the north. So it flows all around the ocean basins. And the Southern Ocean is connected to every ocean basin uh, on the planet and has a significant role to play then in the distribution of nutrients and that through that Antarctic bottom water. There's also other um, water flows that occur as a result of this overturning circulation, which is the formation of the um, circumpolar deep water and, and the flows of that. And there's all of these interactions between different water masses that get driven by different earth system processes. What's important about the bottom water and the deep water is that that's the means by which nutrients can be circulated around the ocean. So production in the ocean, uh, in the Southern Ocean, by the phytoplankton, uh, that production and the nutrients can then sink into with the deep water and then get moved to the, the other ocean basins, which then is upwelled uh, through various upwelling systems um, uh, on the edges of continents around the world. And so, Changes in the production in the Southern Ocean means that there's changes in that nutrient supply that's being distri distributed around the world from the Southern Ocean. Uh, and so the Southern Ocean is, is a very important uh, sink for heat and nutrients um, that uh, influence then the climate uh, and influence the productivity of the oceans everywhere. Mm. So this report is looking at changes that have happened so far and it's looking ahead to the future about what the changes might occur um in the southern ocean i guess I, i'm curious like you know these change the the impacts are going to escalate over the coming you've mentioned you know 10 to 20 years what will antarctic ecosystems look like if we don't address any of these threats well, there's some obvious changes uh, that we're seeing right now, which is things to do like with the emperor penguins. Um, there's also going to be uh, changes in the accessibility of food 
uh, for different species that everybody cares about. So, you know, a daily penguin, seals. Uh, what will happen to whales is not in exactly clear. You know, whales have been recovering from um, uh, the uh, depletion that they had and near extinction for many species. They've been recovering, but uh, how that recovery will be um, impacted by climate change is not clear right now. There are, there are some things which will be much more subtle. And these are the things that we don't know yet enough about, but we do know that they are in peril. The first thing is that um, we see that there has been a shrinkage of the range of Antarctic krill. So a really important foundation species. The range of krill now is contracted towards the Antarctic continent, which means that there's less space for them in which they're living um, and the production in those areas it's not clear yet whether that production will be favorable to them so there have been there has been talk about productivity in the southern ocean increasing uh, with climate change for various reasons but there are all sorts of multiple interacting effects which make that uncertain but also as i said to you before it seems that the, uh, there will be a greater dominance of smaller phytoplankton compared to the diatoms. And if that happens, then the productivity for krill will decline. So the future of the krill population is unclear. What's important in this too, is that there is an important link now between krill and whales, where whales by eating krill and then pooing the krill that they don't um, absorb, um, that then refertilizes the ocean and helps keep that going. And that fertilization is considered to be very important then for carbon drawdown and, and so on. But, but in particular, uh, in terms of maintaining the productivity of the ocean for the krill-based system, that's a really important interaction. Mm. What we think will happen is that we'll see a shift from the krill-based system to a fish-based system. We already have that sharing, if you like, of those two energy pathways in the area south of Australia. But for uh, the area around the Antarctic Peninsula, if that happens, that's quite a significant change in the way the system will be. And then there will be subtle flow-on effects as to what will happen to the predators of those small fish uh, over time. Mm. So this is a, a report written for policymakers. If you could say one thing to them, what's the biggest change that needs to happen in the way we look after Antarctica? The, the primary message for policymakers that are managing the Antarctic area, so this is in the Antarctic Treaty System, uh, and the Commission for the Conservation of Antarctic Marine Living Resources has the primary responsibility for managing the marine environment. The big message out of this is for them to do everything they can to ensure the resilience of the polar species is maintained. They have the, the responsibility for the conservation of all of the biota in Antarctica. And it is very clear that those species which have adapted, evolved to live in this environment, their temperature thresholds are such that they are under threat from the warming environment. Uh, and for marine species, they're under threat from an acidifying environment. And so for the policymakers to do everything they can to maintain the resilience 
uh, of those species is, is really what needs to happen. Our, our capacity to understand the future and to be able to take action before it's too late. And, and that's the thing about climate change questions, that it's really important that we're able to take action now because the action is needed now in order to take account of what's going to happen in 20 or 30 years' time. We can't afford to wait that long. Um, and so in order to be able to make good decisions now about the future, we need the capacity to be able to look at the future. And the only way we can do that is through computer modelling. And there's a lot of disparaging media around modelling, uh, people not trusting the models and so on. But I always come back to look at the weather forecasts. We all look up our weather app to see what it's going to be like in four days' time to determine what we're going to do. 20 years ago, you couldn't do that. Um, and investment in that kind of modelling is possible. Um, it, it makes sense and it will make our futures much better. Uh, and at the moment, we do very little biological modelling. Uh, and so investment in good biological models that take account of food webs, that take account of the interactions of people with nature and so on, they are being done, they can be done, but they need to be scaled up to, the, to deal with the climate problems that we're talking about. That was Dr Andrew Constable from the University of Tasmania talking about the Marine Ecosystem Assessment Report for the Southern Ocean. And that's all for this week. If you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous episodes, head to www.3cr.org.au forward slash radio blue. We'll be with you again next week. And in the meantime, stay well.